And welcome everybody here to the Clip Dust Podcast, week four MIAA pregame show. I am your host, Clifton Grooms. We're going to break down a preview of this week in the MIAA for Missouri Western and Northwest Missouri State as the Bearcats have their home opener this Saturday against Central Oklahoma, while Missouri Western will take a key road trip to Topeka to take on the Washburn Ichabods. We'll preview those games here in just a little bit, but we're going to give you a quick rundown of the week three scoreboard. Northwest Missouri State flexed their muscle to go to 2-0 on the season with a 47-7 win over Central Missouri. T.J. Davis gets the game-winning touchdown for Nebraska Cardi as the Lopers defeat Washburn 28-24. Pitt State over Northeastern State 48-13 was the final score. Missouri Western with 31 second-half points outscored Emporia State 31-9 in the second half to defeat the Hornets 38-37. And the upset of the weekend in the conference Missouri Southern defeats Central Oklahoma 14-10, while Fort Hayes notches their first win of the regular season, defeating Lincoln 72-0. That is the Week 3 scores. We'll, preview, we'll review Northwest and Missouri Western's Week 3 games in detail here after this quick commercial break. You're listening to the Week 4 pregame show of the MIAA on the Cliff Notes Podcast. And welcome, everybody, back to the Clipfields Podcast, Week 4 NAA pregame show. We're going to kick off this episode by, by reviewing Northwest Missouri State and Missouri Western's Week 3 games in detail, starting with the Northwest Missouri State Bearcats as they traveled to Warrensburg last week to take on the Central Missouri Mules. Now, we learned a couple hours before kickoff that Braden Wright, Missouri, uh, Northwest Missouri State's starting quarterback, would be out for an, un, for an un, undetermined Amount of time, Mike Hohensee, the team's punter and backup quarterback, would step in to become the starter. We don't know how long that's going to take. We just don't know. We're just going to take it week by week here on the Clip Notes podcast. But Hohensee, I'll tell you what, he got hot quick in this ball game. He started off with a 33-yard touchdown run that capped off a nine-play, 83-yard drive to give Northwest Missouri State the lead, 7 to nothing. And then Hohensee would come back on the next drive, I think a couple drives later, Hohensee hits Caden Davis on a 43-yard touchdown pass. That makes it 14-0 Bearcats. And then still in the first quarter, a Jackson Bart interception of Mule quarterback Kyle Bradley. That interception was part of Jackson Barnes, the Week 3 MIAA co-defensive player of the week. We'll have more on that here in just a little bit. That interception set up Mike Hohensee to Al McKellar on a 44-yard touchdown pass. That made it 21-0 Northwest Missouri State. That would be the score we would end the first quarter with. In the second quarter, Hohensee would run in for his second touchdown, second rushing touchdown of the day, 27-0 Northwest Missouri State. And then in the second quarter, Peyton Plunkett on the defensive end on special teams blocks a 22-yard, blocks a punt for a 22-yard punt return. That makes it 33-0 Northwest Missouri State. That would be the score we would go to halftime with as the Bearcats took an, a big-time lead heading into half. In the third quarter, Northwest Missouri State just kept firing. Caden Davis, a 15-yard touchdown catch from Hohensee on a four-play 61-yard drive. 40-0 Northwest Missouri State. That drive took less than two minutes. Then later on in the third quarter, the six-minute 28 mark, Mike Hohensee to Amani Donadale from 17 yards out. 47-0 Northwest Missouri State. Now, UCM would get on the board towards the end of the third quarter on a Kobe Wilkerson nine-yard touchdown run. The PAT was good, which makes it 47-7. In the fourth quarter, it was mostly backups 
as Northwest at the end was able to knee was able to take a couple knees and then walk out of Warrensburg with a 47-7 victory over the Mules to go 2-0 on the regular season. We had an opportunity to hear from the head coach of the Bearcats, Rich Wright, after his team's victory over Central Missouri. I think you got a good glimpse at what we can be offensively today when when things are firing on all cylinders. And it was, you know, to get get out of that first game and get everybody a game under their belts after not playing for so long was huge. And, and you know, so my challenge to the kids was that, you know, like it or not, one third of our season is over. Our promised season is over, excuse me, one quarter of it's over today. You know, so we're 27% into our season. We lost to one football game, so we gotta maximize every opportunity we get. And that, you know, that was started today against Central. And that was Northwest Missouri State head coach Rich right there on that interview. On the day for the Bearcats, Mike Hohensee in his first collegiate start finished 14 for 18 with 260 yards and four passing touchdowns on the day. That was a great stat line there in the passing game for Hohensee. He also finished with five rushes for 45 yards and two rushing touchdowns also to accumulate six total touchdowns. Also in the rushing, Al McKellar had 13 carries for 97 yards. Devontae Green had 12 carries for 85 yards. Jaden Brady even got some carries. He got six in. The Savannah graduate got six carries for 37 yards. On the, on the receiving front, Caden Davis, four catches for 103 yards. Two of those catches went for touchdowns. McKellar had two catches for 52 yards and a touchdown. Alec Tatum had four, four catches for 46 yards. Uh, Trayvon Alexander had two catches for 22 yards. Amadi Donadale, two catches, 21 yards, and a score. And Jamar Moya had a catch for 18 yards on the day. Jackson Barnes had the big-time interception there. Like I said, that interception gave him the Week 3 co-MIAA Defensive Player of the Week. So definitely, that was a big-time win for the Bearcats. They will be moving on to their home opener next week. I get this week against Central Oklahoma. We'll have a preview of that here in just a little bit. The next game we're going to preview is Emporia State on the road at Missouri Western. I literally went from Warrensburg to Missouri Western. I think I missed maybe the first quarter, but was able to get there for a good chunk of the game. In the first quarter, Emporia State started the scoring off with a Billy Ross Jr. 54-yard putt, putt return. That made it 7-0 Emporia State. On the very next possession, Brandon Hall ran up on the very next, literally the next possession, literally the next play. Brandon Hall ran a 52-yard touchdown, a receiving touchdown. That was up 7-7 North Missouri Western would tie the game. And then Emporia State went on a 21-0 run from the end of the first quarter into the second quarter. First for Emporia State, um, Gleason to Tommy Zimmerman for a six-yard score. 14-7 Emporia State. That would be the score that we would end the first quarter with, 14-7. And then Brandon Gleason again to Zimmerman for 17 yards, 17 yard, 17 yards this time. 21-7 Emporia State. And then Calvin Boyce got the last touchdown of the second quarter, a one-yard touchdown run. That made it 28-7. Hornets, uh, Missouri Western did have an opportunity to chip into the deficit a little bit. They missed a field goal at the end of the second quarter. When Missouri Western ran into the halftime locker room, trailing 28-7. to And then, oh boy, third quarter. Here we go. Missouri Western gets the scoring started in the third quarter. And a Vespo, a 45-yard touchdown pass to Travion James. 
makes it 28 to 14. Hornets still have the lead. And then on the very next, on the very next drive, or a couple drives later, Anthony Vespo, he had his pass intercepted by the Emporia State's G. Stanley, which got the ball all the way to the 10-yard line of Missouri Western. Now, probably a lot of people probably thought Emporia State should have punched this in for a touchdown, but instead of punching it in, Missouri Western got a victory. They ended up forcing a field goal out of that situation. A 30-yard field goal by Sam Dobbins adds to Emporia State's lead 31-14. to Missouri Western comes back with an Anthony Vespo 16-yard touchdown pass to Travion James again. PAT no good, 31-20. to Emporia still has the lead. Then Kobe Cummings gets a huge interception off Brandon Gleason. It was Gleason's first interception of the season. That would be a big play to captivate the end of the end of the last quarter. 31 to 20 was the end of the third quarter score. Emporia State still had the lead. And the fourth quarter, Brandon Hall again, a 43-yard touchdown run. They go for two, two-point conversion good. 31-28, Emporia State. Then Missouri Western would come back and have Emporia State pinned way deep in their own territory. Missouri Western got a safety on a on a on a miscommunication with the snap. And Missouri Western was able it rolled into the back of the end zone for a safety, 31 to 30. And you kind of feel like the momentum is turning. On the next possession, Shane Butler Lawson, a one-yard touchdown run and a two-point conversion gives Missouri Western the lead, 38-31. to And then Emporia State would make a charge in the end of the fourth quarter with a three-yard touchdown pass to Ross Jr. Emporia State would try for a two-point conversion to try to salvage the game, but they got stopped on the one-yard line, and that would be our final score. Missouri Western, 38. Emporia State 37, what a game if you were there at Spratt Stadium on Saturday night. We had an opportunity at the post-game presser to hear from Griffin head coach Matt Williamson. He talked about the crazy fourth quarter and the second straight, second half comeback at Spratt. Man, golly, this team. That's awesome. Just the fight uh, till the finish. To always believe that you can win. Um, it's awesome. So proud of the guys. They, you don't see that. I mean, you, you don't see that in college football. A comeback as far as behind as we were. Um, continual push and, and, and to do that. And proud of our guys. You know, obviously very disappointed a little bit again. We come out flat and don't play our game. Um, just kind of like Evan was talking about. But, uh, We'll keep, we're going to keep grinding, keep working, and uh, we're going to figure out how to get this team to play four quarters because when we do, it's, it's going to be an absolute electric sight. And uh, I know our fans, you know, <laughs> they, lo they love it now. But, uh, boy, I'd say the first half, I'm sure, they're probably like, what in the heck is this? And it was good. Super proud of our kids. Um, but we got a long way to go still, too. we got a lot of, a lot of things to fix and a lot of things to get better at. That was Missouri Western head coach Matt Williamson. I'll tell you what. It has been a crazy couple weeks at Spratt Stadium. Missouri Western was able to accumulate 485 yards of total offense on the evening. Let's go and do a few individual stats here for Missouri Western. Anthony Vespo, he went 18 for 28 through the air for 308 yards. Did have one interception on the game, but also had three touchdowns. A career night for Vespo through the air. Brandon Hall, 15 carries for 136 yards and a touchdown. 
And then Shea Butler Lawson had the only other rushing touchdown on the night. He did have nine carries for 23 yards. On the receiving front, Travion James had himself a night, caught six balls for 127 yards and two scores. Cooper Burton, the bitten product, five catches for 72 yards. Brandon Hall had two catches for 56 yards and a score on the night. Those are some of the individual stats there for Missouri Western. That is it for our week three recap. We're gonna do we're gonna preview everything in week four after a quick commercial break. You are tuning in to the week four MIAA pregame show here on the Cliff Notes Podcast. And welcome everybody back to the week four MIAA pregame show. Let's go ahead, let's preview week four. The first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna run down the MIAA standings. Only two undefeated teams remain in the MIAA. That would be Nebraska Kearney at 3-0 and Northwest Missouri State at 2-0. Those are your only two undefeateds left in the MIAA. Four teams are tied at 2-1. That would be Emporia State, Missouri Western, Pitt State, and Washburn, all 2-1. Central Oklahoma, Fort Hayes State, and Missouri Southern and Northeastern State are all 1-2 on the season, while Central Missouri is 0-3 on the season. And Lincoln is 0-2. Let's take a look at how the MIAA is doing in the national polls this week. Northwest Missouri State moves up this week in the AFCA poll to number two behind the 2019 national champion West Florida. While Nebraska Carney moves up to number 16, Washburn is receiving votes in the poll also. And the D2 football poll, Northwest stays put at the number four spot while Nebraska Carney is at number 21. Also, the MIAA this week announced their Week 3 Players of the Week on the offensive side. Again, for the second straight week, it was Nebraska Cardi junior quarterback T.J. Davis, one of my favorite players in the MIAA as a whole. The junior quarterback set new career highs for carries with 30. He also had 258 yards rushing and had 16 pass completions and had 166 yards passing to lead the Lopers to a last-minute win over Washburn. Davis got the game-winning touchdown with an 8-yard score with 57 seconds left in the game. T.J. Davis has 30 rushing touchdowns and 17 career games. On the defensive side, two players shared the honor this week. Jackson Barnes from Northwest Missouri State tallied a game-high 10 tackles, broke up Broke up four passes, registered two tackles for a loss, and he had that interception in the first quarter to lead Northwest Missouri State to a 47-7 win over Central Missouri. Also with the honor, Dylan Bolden from Missouri Southern. He was just all over the place in Missouri Southern's 14-10 win over Central Oklahoma. The sophomore defensive back scored the opening points for the Lions when he picked off a pass and returned it 27 yards to the house to give Missouri Southern a 7-0 lead early on. Bolden picked off a second pass with 41 seconds left to go in the game to secure the win for the Lions. That was a huge win for Missouri Southern. Just proves kind of how weird the MIAA has become. For special teams, it was Billy Ross Jr. at Emporia State. He scored in the, the first touchdown of the game on a 52-yard punt return against Missouri Western to give them a 7-0 lead in that game. It was the first punt return for a Hornet. For a touchdown since 2016, he also gained all seven. He gained 170 all-purpose yards while by getting 69 carries on 22 yards carry on the ground. Had 49 yards on seven receptions with a touchdown. So a two-touchdown performance there for Billy Ross Jr. Anthony Vespo and Mike Hohensee, the two quarterbacks for Northwest and Missouri Western, were also recognized by the MIAA for their performances 
in week three. Also, Trey Vabble was also recognized by the MIAA in that same article for 145 total return yards, and he had five solo tackles on defense and one assisted in Missouri Western's win over Emporia State. Let's talk about the war schedule that we have ahead of us right now. Is The first game we're going to talk about is Missouri Western going on the road to Topeka to take on Washburn. Now, the Griffins have been pretty successful against the Ichabods. They have won the last two games in this series. Last, they won in 2019. They won the game 46-21. What's the final score there? Washburn is led by their head coach, Craig Schurg. He has been a head coach of the Ichabod football team since 2001. He is 123-86, and 86, a, almost a 60% winning percentage in his, 20 per, in his 20th season as the head coach of the Washburn Ichabods. Schurig is 105-74 in the MIAA. He has led the Ichabods to three NCAA playoff appearances and four bowl appearances and three bowl championships. Schurig is also 8-10 against Missouri Western. Missouri Western will be looking to get a three-game winning streak going. As they, as I mentioned, you know, they had two second-half comebacks at Spratt over Fort Hayes State and Emporia State. I think the key for them is going to be starting off strong in the first quarter. Washburn is a really, really good team. I think they're very improved. I think the quarterback, Mitch Schurig, he is very improved. I think this is going to be a shootout. It should be a fun one in Topeka. With that, with that being said, we had an opportunity earlier in the week to catch up with Missouri Western head coach Matt Williamson at the Griffin at the Griffin Sports Luncheon. He talked about his team's win over Emporia State while looking ahead to this week's matchup with Washburn. Here's my interview with Griffin head coach Matt Williamson. And we're here on the Cliff Dots Podcast. We're here at the High Host Sports Bar and Grill where Missouri Western just completed their um, coaches' luncheon. We are here with the head coach of the Missouri Western Griffin football team. That would be Matt Williamson. Coach, welcome officially to the podcast. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Let me be part of it. Um, coach, um, the, last week you guys defeated Emporia State 38-37 to was the final score there. Um, coach, just talk about um, overall just these last two weeks. These last two weeks have seemed like very, like, movie script-esque as far as these um, these second-half comebacks are concerned. Just um, talk about even even the UCO game even with the comeback there. But um, talk about just your team's um, your team's second-half success. <laughs> it's been a pretty emotional season so far. We've had some really tight games, played some really solid opponents. Um, but as you can see, we're kind of a – if you look at us, we're a second-half team, which – is not good in the long run you know obviously we want to perform better in the first half continue to grow as a team there but um just the fight and the just the want to and the making things happen in the second half putting ourselves in situations to win it, pretty much the resilience of our football team and you're going to continue to see yeah let's talk about these um first halves here um is it is it kind of like you know a feeling out process trying to fill out the uh, the opposing team is it is it just um struggles um what do you think really contributed to these um, to these um, maybe not so great starts in the first half? I think you know our offense really hasn't been very productive. I think in the first half they've been kind of choppy, um, haven't been able to keep drives alive. We've been playing defense a whole bunch in the first half. Um, our defense still on that on that end is seems like they don't get settled in until about the third, probably about the third series or fourth series. But you can't do that in this league. You got to be able to play the first series, keep everything in front and inside. Uh, but t- together, it's not like it's one unit or the other. Just together as a team, 
you know, probably until we get about halfway in the middle of the second quarter is when we actually start, like you're saying, kind of get a feeling and everything, all of a sudden we just turn the lights on. It's like sometimes, I mean, we're going to put ourselves in a situation that's going to be too late. So we got to continue to work on that. And uh, we're trying different things. We're, we're focused on a couple different things. We've got a couple of other ideas that we're going to work on. But I don't think it'll be a problem in the future. Uh, what was said in the locker room? Obviously, you know, um, you guys, um, they had the punt return. Emporia had the punt return for the touchdown. And then you guys came back on the next offensive play and was able to tie the game at seven. And then they scored uh, 21 points straight there. What was, the, what, was, what was said in the locker room? Did you go and say something? Is this a player-led is this a player-led group in the locker room as far as halftime motivation? Yeah, we've got a lot of leaders on our team. You know, I was walking up the hill kind of figuring out what I was going to say after talking with both offense and defensive staff as we make adjustments, walk into the locker room. Um, but the biggest thing, you know, with the performance that we put out there, uh, which I was very unhappy with, um, I walked in there and basically told them, I said, this this is not a coaching issue or coaching what we're going to what I say or what we're going to do this has to be 100% leadership based and I walked out and they took it over from there at that point on I had a bunch of guys heard a bunch of guys it was awesome hearing the voices that you know that are leaders of your team as soon as I walked started to walk out of that room started piping up we communicate they communicated very well and then as they walked out of that locker room and getting ready to go down the hill i can just see i could just see it on their eyes get ready hold on we'll get ready to go second half you outscored them 31 to 9 in the in the second half um, do you have a certain play or like a certain moment where you feel where you really felt like okay this game is gonna turn um you know not to be honest with you i just i i, I our kids felt I mean, you can look at them. You can tell if someone's confident or not. You really you can see it on their faces. It wasn't like we were concerned. It was just like, okay, we put ourselves in a bad situation. We're going to take ourselves out of that. As things continue to happen, when I, I really thought it was going to be that interception when we had the interception, and then they obviously stopped us right after that. So now I was like kind of going back and forth. You know, the, the safety in the end zone was like, oh, boy, that doesn't happen very often. So there's a bunch of little things here and there, but – I. You just you just felt it. I mean, it was on the sideline. You just could see it, and you could just see Emporia and playing not to not to lose is what they're doing. And when teams start to play not to lose, they're a little bit softer. They make bigger, bigger mistakes, and then big things happen for for us. And that's why the the tide started to turn. Ah, uh, your defense in that second half. I want to point out to. Um, Vespo's interception, which um, his only interception was on a tipped pass. Emporia took it down to the 10-yard line. What was uh, – how – just the resolve of this defense, they went and only allowed a field goal out of that. That could have been a touchdown. That could have been an easy touchdown. Just talk about the play of your defense, not just on that drive, but just the overall play of them in the sec- in the second half. Yeah, that was really tough because, you know, we, we had the momentum going and then we threw the interception, um, and that was really frustrating. And, and seemed like it kind of semi-deflated, you know, obviously the sideline when it happened, but knowing how stingy our defense is and how much success they've had and and the the leadership that we have on there, that changed the game. If they would have won and scored there, it would have been, to be honest with you, I don't know if we would have been able to come back from that. I mean, I'm honest as you all will be, but um, from that point on, I think that gave our defense, you know, we gave our team confidence, let them get three, and then we were able to put ourselves back in the game again after that. So that changed, That was the 100%, in my opinion, the 100% turning point of, okay, this is our game. Okay, so you guys take the lead in the fourth quarter, 38-31, to 31, and Boria comes towards the end of the fourth quarter. They score that touchdown. What was your reaction when you saw they were going for two 
and then your reaction whenever you guys were able to stop them on the two-point conversion? Uh, well, my reaction when we stopped them two-point conversion, like, it was too hard. I didn't even know if they got in or not. I was, you had to wait for a signal, and it took a while. Um, so, but the, the, the front part of that, I think they'd already, as fast as they'd line up, they'd already made that decision. They were on the 50-yard line and said, hey, if we score, we're going for two right there. And uh, so you knew they made a decision. I think the decision they made was probably on their, on their part a smart one. They, they were seeing things all of a sudden fizzle out. Um, they wanted to give their team a chance to win. Um, but they also, so if they got up, then we would have a minute 15 left to go down and kick a field goal. And our field goal kicker already missed a field goal. So, hey, as a head coach, that you know, let's probably put a guy in a situation where he'd already missed one. That was probably their menta- mentality, and I thought it was a good decision. Um, coach, um, the past couple seasons, um, this team has um, had a little bit of trouble winning at home. How does it? How how critical is it for you to win these two games at home and protect Spratt Stadium and get some wins underneath the belt and get and, and get the, that team able to ring the bell at home? Oh, it's, it was huge, you know. And the, you know, we played. Uh, if you look at our schedules, you know the games that we've lost at home are top twenty-five teams, most of them that we've lost to. So it's been good competitors. Um, but we were trying to find a way. You know, is there something different we could do? We changed the way we. We did things our setup on Fridays because we don't have classes, and then our setup on Saturdays pregame on how we do stuff. And I think it's it's very it mimics what we do on the road. Um, even though we got to go out our way to do a few things, but I've tried to mimic as much as we did because we had a lot of success on the road. So um, we changed that, you know, and obviously playing really well these you know these last two you know these last two home games, getting to ring the bell at home. It's managed nothing better. Um, and then Washburn's comes comes up on the schedule on Saturday. Obviously, you know they're coming off a loss to Nebraska Kearney. This is, I think, this is a very improved football team from two years ago. Um, Mitch Shurig's really improved. Um, the, obviously, Craig Shurig's one of the best coaches in the MIAA probably of all time. Though um, this Washburn team has improved a lot. What have you seen so far from Washburn, and uh, what are you guys going to have to um, look out for and do in practice in order to prepare and get a big get to get a win over the Ichabods on Saturday? You know, they're coached really well. Um, they play really, really hard, um, and they make you execute. You know, so offensively, um, we're going to have to execute our assignments, make sure we finish our blocks, um, and we're going to have to play really physical. We're going to have to match their physicalness, and we're going to definitely try to up up one on them on that. Defensively, you know, they've got a very talented receiver. Uh, quarterback is very efficient in what he does. He controls the ball, controls the game, um, and doesn't take a lot of chances. So, as uh, we can put some pressure on him make him feel a little uncomfortable, shut the run the run game down, which is which is what we try to do all the time anyways. Uh, I think we can have some success. Uh, Coach Williamson, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Uh, good luck to you and your team this week in practice, and good luck to you Saturday on the road at Washburn. Thank you very much. Go Griffs. That was Missouri Western head coach Matt Williamson once again on our pregame interview. Griff hold a 20-26-2 advantage over the Ichabods. And the all-time series, Missouri Williamson is 2-1 and one against Washburn and his career. We also had an opportunity to talk with Brandon Zitter of News Press Now as we break down last week's game against Emporia and, uh, and his look ahead to this week's game against Washburn. Here's our interview with News Press Now's Brandon Zitter. And we're here on the Cliff Dots Podcast. We're continuing on here with our MIAA Week 4 pregame show. We are here. With the head, with the host of Griffin Sports Spotlight, that yeah. would be Brandon. 
That would be Brandon's. <laughs> I think head coach of Griffin Sports, by head coach of Missouri Washington, whatever you want to call me, Clifton. I'm hey, down for it. Hey. hey, oh, absolutely. Head coach, um, head coach of the News Press Sports team, um, host of Griffin Sports Spotlight. Um, Brandon Zinner's in the house. I wear Brandon. a lot of hats and I'm glad to be here. <laughs> well, uh, Brandon, again, on Saturday night, we were on the sidelines for another tremendous Missouri Western game, another second half comeback from the Griff, from the Griffs. 38 to 37 was the final against Emporia State. Um, Brennan, just um, overall, your thoughts on the game? Uh, my thoughts are that I'm getting really tired of how these games are working out because they just uh, kind of keep my heart rate going and I can't sleep for hours, sometimes days. I'm becoming concerned for my mental health with how these uh, Missouri Western games are going. But no, I mean, I, like I said uh, to Willie, uh, I think if you look up the word fight in the dictionary, a picture of this Missouri Western team is going to be next to him. And it sounds cliche, but it's just the truth. Back-to-back game, back to back games, they come back in the second half from down double digits. They were down 10 last week and scored 28 in the third quarter. They scored 31 in the second half of this week. And it's all phases contributing, which is crazy. If they can turn this into a four-quarter deal, you have uh, Trey Vava with some clutch punt returns and kick returns late in the game to give them – Good field position. And like we were talking about on the field uh, early in the game, they, they were stuck inside their 20 for quite a bit. And that's what kind of was hindering them, I thought. The defense contributing with the, the turnovers and the offense, obviously, was was clicking on all cylinders with Brandon Hall and Trey James and with Anthony Vespo. And if if this group, which is which is still young, even though as much talent as they have, it, it's still young. If uh, they can figure out a way to put this together, starting from the first drive and continuing that with the second and the third drive, and maintaining it for four quarters instead of for 30 minutes, they're uh, they're going to have a say in this thing at the end of the year in the MIAA. Oh, absolutely. Um, I asked uh, Coach Williamson during our interview, I was like, is uh, I asked about these first half struggles. I was like, is it, is it a, is it a feeling out process? Is it struggles on both sides of the ball? Uh, what do you think really, um, I know you've been around this team all season long. What do you think is some of the reasons for their first half struggles? They haven't been able to come, to put together a complete four quarter game. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a combination of things. It's still, you gotta remember the, a lot of these kids, some of these high schoolers haven't played football in three years. They play senior year, they redshirt, then they have a season taken away. And so like they've literally haven't almost played football in almost three years. So some, some kids are just getting back into the rhythm. And while that is a, is a lame excuse, it, it is an excuse. And then uh, I think, there there might be instances where guys are playing a little bit of hero ball early on where they're coming out and they're really fired up and they're just trying to make plays for themselves instead of listening to the game plan like like Sam Webb uh, had told me. you got to listen to the game plan and just follow that from the beginning because uh, the coaches know what they're doing. They make the money uh, for a reason. And uh, I, th- I think it shows in the second half. <laughs> the game plan that they that they put together, it works in the second half of all these games. And I think if – they can just tune in on that and and just trust their coaches from from the opening snap, um, and, and just let things go together. There's there's no reason they uh, can't make some dangerous things happen the rest of this year. I, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, Griffs are two and one on the season. They're going to be going against another two and one team uh, this Saturday in Topeka, Kansas. Uh, the Washford Ichabods are going to be their next opponent. Um, they're um, coming off a 28-24 loss to Nebraska Kearney on Saturday. Um, Lopers look like they're one of the more talented teams in the MIAA at least in this early in the season. What um, what are your impressions on Washburn, and what do you think are the keys Missouri Western's going to have to use in order to get a walk out of Topeka with a win on Saturday? 
Well, the first thing you look at, I think, with this Washburn team is, yeah, you, you go back to the last two times that they've played Western, and Western's handled them. They outscored them, I think, uh, I said 84-28, uh, something along those lines the last two games. Missouri Western's had their number. And you instantly look uh, this year and at past years, this year their quarterback, Mitch Schurig, he's thrown four interceptions already here in three games where – you're going against a secondary like this who has proven the ability to take the ball away, whether that's punching it out, whether it's getting interceptions and taking them for touchdowns. We've seen the secondary have a knack uh, for that. And Sam Webb's just getting his feet back underneath him. Uh, Dominic Choppa is still the guy who he's only played three games in this system with this team. And guys like Devin Burrell and DJ Sergis and uh, whatnot uh, can, can have an impact on the game. And I think it's going to come down to the secondary just making more plays this week. I think the, uh, Western will have a, a better chance to get some more of a real pass rush than they did this past week with Emporia. Uh, they like to run, obviously, that fast that offense and get the ball out of the quarterback's hands quick. Not many opportunities for sacks against a team like that. So I think it's going to come down to surprise what Western's able to do on the defensive side of the ball as far as pressuring the quarterback, getting the ball out of his hands and getting it in their hands because, I mean, it's offense. I mean, why would you doubt that they can go out and not score 35 points? I mean, I don't see a reason they can't. I mean, they Showing the abilities with Brandon Hall, Trey James, Cooper Burton, Hezzy Trotter, Anthony Vespo, all these guys. Sheen Butler Watson, who leads the team in touchdowns. I haven't even mentioned him yet. Uh, I mean, they have all the offense on all the weapons on offense from the defense. It's just going to be showing up from that first play, setting the tone. And Missouri Western seems their offense always feeds off of the defense. So I think setting that tone early with the Western defense is going to be key. I know you and I talked about um, if they are able to get this win over Washburn this week, imagine how fun the next week would be. Right now, Northwest is ranked. I know we're looking ahead a little bit, but Northwest is ranked number two right now in the current AFCA poll, and they're probably more than likely going to be ranked close to that in the D2 football poll. But um, how how really how fun do you think really with a win over Washburn? Obviously, they have to take care of business on Saturday, but how big can this game be for the Griffs against Northwest into next weekend? Oh, yeah. Well, say so you, you say we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. No, we're members of media. We're allowed to look in the future. The coaches, the coaches are going to say, hey, no, it's, it's one snap mentality, one game mentality. No, I'm already looking at the next. I, I, do you know who they play after Northwest? Because I do. They go to Nebraska Kearney. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but I already know that. I pay attention to all that stuff. Man, the potential, I mean, we're talking if, if Missouri Washington comes in at three and one and Northwest comes in at 3-0, uh, number two in the country. With the win over Washburn, Missouri Western might jump into the bottom of those rankings. I mean, when you look at wins against Fort Hayes, Emporia, and Washburn, three back-to-back-to-back back, back, back weeks, Missouri Western is definitely going to have a say and sneaking in there at the end. And, I mean, then you start talking about attendance records. I mean, it's going to be a night game. It's at 6, six o'clock on a Saturday. We're talking attendance records. We're talking about uh, playing for – trying to get in the mix and being tied first place in the MIAA. Um, and and then obviously the implications that come with that of trying to get to the playoffs. I know it's only going to be uh, week five, but I mean, this is, we're right in the heart of the gauntlet for Missouri Western because they still have Northwest and uh, Nebraska Kearney after this Washburn game. Um, but Missouri Western can set themselves up in a fantastic position uh, with these next three weeks. And um, <laughs> yeah, I don't even want to think about how fun that Northwest game is going to be because I'm still tired from this Emporia game and, and trying to recover. And, and it's, it's a Monday. We've been removed for 48 hours. And yeah. I can only imagine what Northwest Western is going to take out of me. Yeah, Willie said he's aged a few years after these last couple of games. Yeah, he, told so. me, he told me about 10 years, and 
I think I'm right behind him, maybe eight or nine. That's for sure. Yeah, it's definitely very, very fun if you're a Missouri Western fan. But um, you can check out Brandon's work on um, on Twitter at MP Zinner. MP Now Zinner. MP Now Zinner. Yeah. yeah, I got it now. So um, MP Now Zinner. Uh, Griffin Sports Spotlight is every Monday night at 930. You can check that out on um, News Press Now. You can check that there. He's got interviews with all the coaches. Coach Willie, everybody. So um, definitely check out his work. He does great work. And um, Brandon, thank you so much for joining me once again. That was Brandon Zinner from News Press Now. You could check out his coverage by following him at MP Zinner on Twitter and check out NewsPressNow.com. For the um, next game that we're going to preview, it's Family Day at Northwest Missouri State as the Bearcats take on Central Oklahoma at home. Bearcats lead the all-time series in this one, nine games to three. UCO did win the game in 2018 in Edmond. That was UCO's only win in the MIAA against Northwest. Uh, Oklahoma, Central Oklahoma is led by Nick Bobek in his 10 year as 10th year as a head coach. He posts a 44 and 49 record overall. He's looking to win his second game against Northwest. We had an opportunity to break down some UCO Bronco football with the voice of the Broncos, Todd Lizenby. We talked about. His teams, uh, we talked about the um, UCO season and a look ahead to how the Broncos stack up with Northwest. Here's our interview with the voice of the Broncos, Todd Lizenby. And we're here on the Clip Notes Podcast. We're continuing on with our Week 4 MIAA pregame show. We are here with the voice of the UCO Broncos. That would be Todd Lizenby is joining us for the first time on the podcast. Todd, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Looking forward to this one this Saturday. Absolutely. Should be a fun one. Um, Todd, I kind of want to dive into a little bit of your background a little bit. Obviously, you are the voice of the UCO Broncos of football. And um, I kind of want to get into your uh, background, how you got into broadcasting, and what brought you what brought you to Edmond, Oklahoma, to be the voice of Bronco football. Well, I actually got into broadcasting back in 2002 when I was a student at UCO, uh, a local uh, sports morning show that I listened to had a competition. You had to send in a creative email to be an intern, and I won the competition. Uh, became an intern, worked as an intern for about a year, and then kind of started doing weekends as a board op. And one thing led to another, and I, just, you know, tried to make myself avail available for every opportunity. And one of my first kind of uh, chances to be on air was in a high school broadcasting capacity. Uh, broadcasting some high school basketball and football games and uh, worked with a guy named Craig Humphreys who had kind of done high school games for about 20 or 25 years by at that point and you know as uh, as Craig kind of backed away from it his his son started playing uh, collegiate golf and Craig was away more and Craig you know kind of told them that uh that I would be able to fill that gig and that was kind of my first foray into play-by-play, uh, play, and I've I've kind of been in love with it ever since. I'm one of those nerds that as a kid used to have the little recorder and sit in front of the TV and call a game with the volume down and do the research and everything. So uh, it's it's a fun gig. Now, as far as UCO goes, I was just kind of doing my uh, Friday night high school gig with the, uh, with the radio station I, I'm on the morning show on right now, which is 107.7, the franchise in Oklahoma City. And one of my coworkers at the time, he was the voice of UCO football, and he, he said, you know, we've been wanting to kind of add to the broadcast, and at the time they didn't really have a sideline reporter. So he asked if I would be interested, and one thing led to another, and 
four years later, uh, I, I moved from the sideline up to the booth. So I've, uh, I've enjoyed the last, I guess this would be my fourth year, but technically just my third season as the play-by-play voice of the Broncos. Well, let's talk about UCO football. Um, obviously, um, Missouri Western, another a team that I cover, um, is no stranger to UCO football this season. That's who um, UCO picked up a win against in um, week one of the season. Um, but um, it's been a struggle the last couple weeks. Um, a loss in week two to Emporia State. And then um, maybe um, some some people on the outside kind of looking in on the MIAA who aren't really maybe dialed in directly into the program maybe thought that was kind of unexpected um, UCO's loss to Missouri Southern on Saturday. So um, just um, give your thoughts so far on how um, UCO has um, been progressed in um, their, their season outlook so far this season. Well, going back to week one, the game with, uh, with Mo West, uh, you know, the Broncos had a quarterback battle all through the spring and all through, uh, you know, two a days leading up to the regular season. And it was, kind of a 50-50 race between uh, Keats Calhoun and Stephon Brown. And uh, it was, you know, in week one, I think everyone, Keats was listed as the starter, but I think everyone kind of expected to see both of them at some point in the game, and they're completely different skill sets. Keats is a drop-back passer, uh, and uh, he's a guy who can really throw the ball well. Stephon Brown, he can also throw the ball well, but he's, you know, 6'5", 220, and a guy that likes to really move the pocket and do things with his legs as well. And uh, Keats, Keats missed that game, uh, was in protocol, so Keats missed that game. And because of that, I think Stephon Brown kind of caught Mo West by surprise. I don't know that they knew exactly what they were going to get from him. And he made a lot of plays, ran for over 140 yards, I believe, in that game against uh, Mo West. And I think in the, in the two weeks since, I think teams have really schemed more for him. And because of that, I think he's found he's found found it harder to kind of find his footing uh, the last few weeks, and it all culminated with you know what was a a very poor performance last uh, last week against uh, Missouri Southern in a game where you know the Broncos the Broncos defense played great. They gave up one big play, which is the 54 yard touchdown with under a minute to go on a busted coverage, which obviously is terrible. But other than that, the Broncos kept Mo Southern off the board. The only other touchdown came on a pick six. So it was just a weird game last Saturday. It was one of those games where, you know, I think I think everyone involved kind of thought that this would be a game where at the end of the game you'd look up and UCO would be up by three, four, five touchdowns and maybe Mo West would be putting one on late or something. And, and it just had the feel, even from early on, that it was going to be a close game all the way through. And, you know, it, it just – intensity from, from Mo Southern was so much better than UCO last Saturday. And, and the Broncos didn't meet it. And – now they're faced with the, a game this Saturday where if you don't go meet Northwest Missouri with intensity, you're going to get beat pretty bad. So it's something they've obviously got to figure out this week. I, absolutely. I think um, definitely the schedule doesn't get any easier for the Broncos. Um, UCO on the road this week to Maryville for Northwest's home opener at Bearcat Stadium. Uh, Bearcats are now the number two ranked team in the AFCA poll. Um I know um, I think you and everybody else knows what tradition Northwest Missouri State brings to the table when you're talking about their success for the past, like, couple decades. But um, what have you seen so far? I know um, – I don't know how much um, you've got to prepare so far for your broadcast, but what are your thoughts so far on Northwest's um, season so far? I know they lost a game in week two, but just your thoughts on 
what you've seen from Northwest so far. Yeah, you know, I, it's funny when we were we were sitting there game one after you know uh, UCO beat beat Missouri Western, and we we were sitting in the broadcast booth after we'd wrapped up our broadcast, and we all just kind of looked at each other and we were like, "What does this mean?" You know, we we've been away for a year. There's so many new faces. Does this mean we're good? Does this mean we're average? What does it mean in the MIAA to beat Bo West in week one? And we got to talking about it, and we were like, well, we don't really know. And then someone said, well, we do know Northwest Missouri is going to be good, and they're probably the best team in the league. So I don't think there's any big surprise from anyone that, uh, you know, that this kind of play is happening early on from uh, from the Bearcats. Um you know, it's and it's weird. It kind of struck me when you said it that it is the home opener because I forgot, obviously, with the with the uh, no contest game or whatever you want to call it in week two. So uh, it feels like every time UCO goes to Northwest Missouri State, it's family day and it's like a huge crowd and it's a big. And I know it's you know there, it always is a good crowd at Maryville, but it seems like it's always ratcheted up for some reason. There's some sort of celebration every time UCO's there. So. Uh, I'm looking forward to Saturday. It should be a great atmosphere. And, you know, I think it's one of those games going into every year, whether you know all the specifics about every player on uh, the Bearcat roster or not, you know that if you're going to go to Maryville especially and win or even be competitive, you can't turn the ball over, you can't make a bad special teams play, and you've got to be able to run the ball and convert on third down. And those are all very obvious things, but you've got to do every single one of them well if you're going to have a chance to beat the Bearcats. Well, I think it's going to be a great game in Maryville on Saturday. Um, Todd, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast, talking some UCO Bronco football with me. And um, good luck to you and your team on your road trip to Maryville on Saturday. No problem. Thank you so much. That was the voice of the Broncos, Todd Lizenby. Thank you so much, Todd, for coming on the podcast and talking some Central Oklahoma football. Next up, we got a very special interview. I was able to catch up for the very first time ever with the voice of the Northwest Missouri State Bearcats, John Coffey. With last week's win against Central Missouri, Coffey called his 450th consecutive game. He's never missed a game since 1985. I think that's an incredible honor. Um, we talked to him about that milestone, his favorite memories in the booth, we talked about last week's game against Central Missouri and his preview of this week's matchup with UCO. Here's our interview with the voice of the Bearcats, John Coffey. And we're here on the Clip Notes Podcast. We're continuing on with our Week 4 MIAA preview. We are here with a very special guest. He is the head, he is the voice of the Northwest Missouri State Bearcats, John Coffey. John, welcome to the podcast. All right. Well, thank you. Glad to be here. Well, John, uh, we, uh, we're going to talk about a special milestone that you achieved last week, and we're going to talk about that here in just a few minutes. But um, first of all, for new guests, what we'd like to do is get to know you a little bit, who John Coffey is, um, how you got into broadcasting, and what brought you to Northwest Missouri State in Maryville? Well, uh, I've always wanted to be in broadcasting, even as a little kid. I uh, grew up being a big uh, St. Louis Cardinals baseball fan, and 
uh, listening to Jack Buck, Harry Carey to start with, and then uh, Jack and Mike Shannon later on. And uh, it's just been uh, a passion of mine, the radio in particular, and not only just uh, play-by-play, but uh, radio as a business has been, uh, again, a focus of mine ever since I can remember loving to listen to the radio. And uh, came over from Albany, Missouri, and went to school at Northwest Missouri State as a uh, broadcast major, and then able to... Um, I can work my way back here and become the voice of the Bearcats. That that's awesome. So, um, the milestone that you achieved last Saturday was last Saturday's game against Central Missouri. Um, you called your 450th consecutive game. There were there's been a lot of great times at Northwest, and you've been there through all of them. It seems like. Um, do you? Uh, first of all, what do you? What? How do you feel about you know obtaining this kind of a um this kind of an honor and uh, what are some of your favorite memories on the call for Northwest? That could be football. That could be basketball. It could be anything. Well, I guess, first of all, I really didn't know this was coming around to 450 until really Saturday. I knew Matt Tritton had oh, a couple three years ago said he counted up uh, the, the games I had done, but I really kind of forgot about that. So I, I really wasn't on my radar at all going into Saturday's game. And then uh, he mentioned it there in the second half. And uh, of course, they had some things planned after the game as well that uh, caught me by surprise. So I have to tip my hat to uh, Matt for kind of pointing it out. Otherwise, it probably would have gone by and I wouldn't even known it. It's just a matter of, it's amazing how much uh, time flies since I started this. So uh, that was uh, really the um, uh, thing I think about on uh, Saturday, just uh, again, it wouldn't have happened if it weren't for Matt uh, to kind of count things up and take the time to figure out how many games it's been. Well, I, I want to talk about some of your favorite member memories. Obviously, you know, national um, Northwest has won several national championships in the last couple decades. The men's basketball team has been successful. I know the women's basketball team went to the Elite Eight several years ago. There's, it seems like Northwest is almost good at everything. Talk about maybe some memorable calls, um, memorable games that stand out to you in your 450th consecutive games. Well, I think some of them that come up to mind were 1989. Uh, uh, Bud Elliott, would, I think, was in his second year as head coach of the football team, and they were able to make the playoffs uh, that year. That would have been their second uh, playoff appearance, and they played at Pittsburgh State and unfortunately lost in that game. Now, going back to the year before I came back as a full-time uh, uh, a full-time announcer with uh, the games, uh, uh, they made the playoffs in 84 with Vern Thompson, and then I began broadcasting the games in 1985, and they just couldn't sustain that type of uh, success they had in 84. And then, of course, Bud Elliott came in. I got him in the playoffs in 89, but uh, couldn't sustain that uh, success. And then, of course, when Mel came in, got things rolling. They've never looked back. So that's been a, a fun process to watch how this program has grown. But when you look at football, I think the one game that, well, there's several that stand out, but one in particular was in 1996, the uh, first uh, playoff victory for Northwest. They went up to Nebraska, Omaha. Uh, Jesse Haynes had a, a catch there at the, toward the end of the game that uh, sealed that victory. And that game really stands out with that being the first playoff victory. I think that was kind of a coming out party for the Bearcat football program where they kind of announced to the world that they were here and they've uh, really never looked back since then. Well, definitely that's uh, congratulations again on your 450th um, consecutive game. I mean, the football team has just been very, very successful that, that I don't think anybody needs to tell anybody, uh, tell you just how great this football team has been over the past several decades. Um, 
John, um, let's talk about this game on Saturday against Central Missouri. 47 to 7 was the final score. Um, earlier in the day, we learned that Braden Wright was going to be out. Mike Hoensey takes over as the quarterback. And um, it just seems like Northwest is just able to plug in players and they're still successful no matter what. So, what are your thoughts on um, last Saturday's victory over Central Missouri? Well, I guess first off, I think most of us uh, around the program had uh, known about uh, the situation with Braden being out, but uh, it wasn't announced officially until prior to uh, kickoff that uh, Mike Hoency would take over. But Mike has had some time to um, work with the first unit, and I don't think anybody was terribly surprised at the success Mike has had. Uh, he was highly recruited coming in, and uh, they were very high on him, and uh, he's had a chance to have some snaps from here and there the past uh, couple of years that they've played. So. The fact that Mike performed well, I think it isn't a huge surprise at all. And uh, I think they're going to be fine with Mike uh, at the helm for the next uh, several weeks. But uh, I think he did a great job. Uh, they had a good game plan coming in against uh, a fairly inexperienced defense, and they were able to jump on them early and uh, never let uh, the uh, gas pedal down throughout the entire contest and uh, came out with an impressive win. Absolutely. That that victory over Central Missouri runs Northwest's record to 2-0 on the season, also 2-0 in the MIAA. This Saturday, family day at Northwest, home opener. Um, we know that um, they, they had their home opener, unfortunately canceled due to um, COVID protocols with the Lincoln program. Um, so the home opener is this Saturday against UCO, a team that beat Missouri Western in week one, but it's kind of on a two-game on a two-game slide right now. So um what have you seen so far? What have you prepped as far as UCO? And um, what do you think, um, for those of us that are going to be watching the game, we can expect on Saturday? Well, sometimes it's hard to tell with Central Oklahoma which team you get uh, through the years. We've seen them play Northwest a very tough. Other games when you thought it was going to be a little bit closer, Northwest has uh, run up a pretty big score against them. So uh, it's a little hard to tell coming in. I think uh, their last game, again, which was – uh, a loss to Missouri Southern is a bit of a surprise, but I think they had a few players that they would count on to be contributors to that program that didn't play in that game. So they'll be back, from my understanding, and I think that will make a bit of a difference as well. Uh, I think they're in a situation where they've got uh, several young players at some key positions that might account for some of the uh, inconsistency early in the season. And I think probably it's going to be a team as they go throughout the season, you're going to see some more improvements out, out of Central Oklahoma. But I think it's going to be a, another game like last week with the Central where uh, if Northwest can jump on them early and kind of have them uh, on their heels, uh, it should be a good uh, win for Northwest. But, of course, they've got to get that done, and that's uh, easier said than done. Absolutely. It should be a fun day. Um, family day on um, 1.30, Maryville, Missouri, Northwest hosting UCO. Um, John, they uh, where can people uh, catch, if they're in the Maryville area or even out of the Maryville area, where can people catch you and Matt Trenton on the call? Well, a number of different ways. Uh, first of all, in Maryville, 90.5 FM, uh, KXCV, the flagship of the radio network. Uh, we'll be on there with a special tailgate pregame at 11.30. We're going to do our pregame. We're along the rest of the network at 1230. Of course, kickoff is 130. Uh, you can hear us on uh, KKWK out of Cameron over the air. And then we've got a new app this year that uh, we're very proud of. Uh, it's Bearcat Public Media app that we are urging uh, listeners to go to as well, especially those that uh, follow the Bearcat football on the MIAA network with the video. When we're on the road, it's a very simple app where you can uh, kind of pause uh, the audio and sync it up with the uh, 
the uh, video, and uh, that way you can hear us on the road with the, the video going as well. So um, if you haven't had a chance to do so yet, uh, we certainly you can go to uh, uh, your app store of choice. It's a open for all platforms and uh, download the Bearcat Public Media app. And uh, there are a lot of other things on there that we're uh, proud of as well. You can catch uh, archives of uh, the uh, previous games, our coaches shows that we do during the week and uh, various programming on KXCV itself that you can uh, listen to besides just what we stream live. So uh, that, that's something that we really urge people to do. And, and if our listeners who downloaded the old uh, KXCV app, app on the iOS side for Apple, I uh, need to just delete that old app and uh, download the new one and uh, enjoy what we have to offer off of that. Well, John, thank you so much for um, coming on the podcast again. Congratulations on your 450th consecutive game. This is going to be 451 this Saturday. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And um, good luck to you and Matt on the call on Saturday against UCO. All right. Well, thank you very much. And that was the voice of the Northwest Missouri State Bearcats, John Coffey. Now, remember... The game starts at 1.30 at Bearcat Stadium in Maryville. It is Northwest's home opener for almost two years. Northwest Missouri State will be hosting a ball game. So our last interview that we're going to be doing is going to be with Devin Albertson from D2Football.com. We talked about Northwest and Missouri Western's performances last week and a look ahead to the Week 4 schedule. Here's our interview with Devin Albertson of D2Football.com right now. And we're here on the Cliff Notes Podcast. We're still continuing on with our MIAA Week 4 postgame show. Of course, we got to have the analyst of D2 of the MIAA on D2Football.com. Doubles up as an eight-man football extraordinaire and a D2 football MIAA extraordinaire. Devin Albertson is in the house. Devin, how are you? Good. How are you doing, Cliff? Doing great. Doing great. A lot of great games in the MIAA. We're going to start here locally here. Um I was at both uh, the Missouri Western and Northwest games. Let's start with Northwest. Um, we learned officially on Saturday afternoon that Braden Wright was going to be out for a little bit. Don't know the extent of the injury. Don't know the length. You know, we'll figure all that out later. But um, Mike Hohensey steps up at quarterback, um, has six total touchdowns, and um, Northwest just blows out Central Missouri 47-7. to So, um, Devin, your thoughts on the Bearcats' dominant performance? Yeah, it stinks for Brayton Wright to be injured that way and have to have a free thing happen, take him out of the lineup. But it might have been a blessing in disguise for Northwest because Hohensey kind of unlocked that offense a little bit. And it's not just the result. I want to get this out of the way because Central Missouri has struggled defensively, to say the least, versus Pitt, Washburn, and now Northwest. And it keeps getting worse each week kind of deal on defense. It wasn't just the results for Hohensey. It was the process and the way he was able to take control of the offense stay in the pocket, make accurate passes downfield, just be in complete control of that football game. In his first collegiate start, was very impressive to me. You could tell he's a coach's son. I mean, his his dad coached in the AFL, coached arena football at a really high level for the Chicago Rush. He knows his football. I'm sure he taught his plays up to Mike, Mikey there. He's a really good football player. He's a really smart player. He's fun to watch. He's still very mobile. He's not as mobile as Braden Wright is. But I think he's more accurate and he can get by mobility wise. He had two rushing touchdowns, both look really good for him as well. I want to see what he does against better competition going forward. I won't, don't think he's going to see that this week, but in two weeks, they got Missouri Western, they still got Carney in the schedule, Pitt State, Washburn. They got some big games coming up. So if he can keep his level of play up where he plays at this efficiency, because 
I think someone put out if this was an NFL like rating for the quarterback, it was a perfect game, which is fantastic for your first collegiate start. I don't care who you're playing, if it's uh, Central Missouri, Pitt State, or Lincoln. Like, either way, it's a great start for your collegiate career. So I like what he was doing. Everyone else for Northwest, McKellar did his thing. Um, he was throwing guys down the field and staring at them, just kind of waiting for the play to happen. Um, they had two good receivers out there, Caden Davis, uh, Don Adell. Their line played well. The, de- the defense is always going to be really good there for Northwest under Coach Rich Wright. So everything else kind of fell into place. That one factor they've been missing is that quarterback play they had this past week. And Central Missouri, they need to figure some things out because it looked pretty ugly for them um, on Saturday. Uh, also, shout out to uh, Jackson Barnes. Uh, Jackson, the co-MIW defensive player of the week for his performance, had an interception and a boatload of tackles in that game against Central Missouri. But the next one we're going to talk about, I made the trip to Warrensburg and then made the trip back to St. Joe just in time for the second quarter at Missouri Western. Um, Missouri Western uh, pulled another second half comeback out of the books. Um, down 28 to seven at the half. Uh, many teams would have probably, uh, ordinary teams would have probably crumbled during uh, being down like that at half, but Missouri Western was able to come back, outscore the Hornets 31 to nine at the half. Just, um, I know you watched the game, Devin. Um, I know you tweeted at me at, during the game. So, um, Devin, just your thoughts on another second half comeback from Missouri Western. Yeah, Missouri Western, I thought in the first half they had some bad luck. They, I think they were in that game, and they were really competitive in the first half. The score was indicative of their play. You know, Emporia had a punt return for a touchdown, a couple of big shot plays that really gave them an advantage in the first half. And then Missouri Western kind of woke up a bit at halftime and said, okay, we got to score some points get some stops, get some key turnovers. And Missouri Western, when they're down like that, they're kind of um, – their backs are against the wall. Is when they kind of come out there and they start to feast, they get a turnover, things start moving in their direction, especially at home. You saw it last week with Fort Hayes, this past week with Emporia. When they start getting turnovers and they start rolling a bit there, it's a really strong effect they have for the rest of that team where they can kind of storm back and take a lead here. Uh, I think Emporia did a good job of trying to fend that off late, scoring – to try to tie it up. They went for a two-point conversion there that just barely didn't make the, the two-point conversion. That was a great call by the Emporia State coach to go for that two-pointer just because Missouri Western had all the momentum at that point and had looked fantastic in the second half. So I don't blame him at all for trying to get a win on the road. Going for two there. Trust your offense was the strength of that team to get two or three yards. But for Missouri Western, they got to start out faster uh, next couple of weeks just because they have playing some good teams in Washburn and Northwest. So that's one thing I think they're going to work on quite a bit this week is coming out of the gates with that same intensity they come out of halftime with. Maybe you can get up a little bit so you don't have to use every little bit of energy you had the last 30 minutes just to come back in the game to possibly win it. So Missouri Western, I said in the preseason, they're one of the top three or four talented teams, maybe top two talented rosters in the MIAA. They just got to put it all together. I think Vespo showed some stuff there on Saturday that he looks really good, looks comfortable again. So Missouri Western, they're a dangerous football team. And that week one loss might come back and bite them in the butt a little bit. It's a game they should have won. They kind of started out slow in the first half again. Um, but they're a team that could definitely come up and possibly upset a Pitt State, a Northwest, a Nebraska Kearney, even a Washburn this week. Absolutely. A couple of different things I want to talk about before we move on to week four. Um, how about Nebraska Kearney and Washburn? Um, TJ Davis, just another unbelievable day, especially on the ground. Um, earned himself at the MIAA Offensive Player of the Week for the second straight week. And um, how about Missouri Southern? How about an upset over UCO? I called it an upset in my book. So, Devin, just your thoughts on those two things. I'll start with the rest of Carney first. And one thing I want to point out with Carney was the effectiveness they had on their touchdown drives. 
their four touchdown drives, opening game, opening kickoff, 14 plays, 78 yards, touchdown. Pretty good opening drive. A couple drives later, they were pinned at their own one-yard line. Six plays later, they scored a touchdown. Very impressive drive there. Um, at a halftime, six plays, 73 yards, touchdown. And then down by a, t- down by a score, down 24-21, they get the ball back. They go 12 plays, 65 yards, and just under four minutes, score about a minute left on the clock to take the lead and win the game. Their efficiency in those drives, they run the ball right at your face and say, dare you to stop me, kind of deal with the rushing attack. And T.J. Davis, who is the Lamar Jackson of like Louisville a few years ago, that's what he is at Nebraska Carney. He didn't take big hits. You can't really get a, a beat on him. He didn't take big hits because you can't get a hold of him kind of deal. He's a really fun player to watch. He's probably my favorite player to watch in the MIAA right now because of how explosive and how elusive he is. He's not the best passer in the world, but they don't need him to be either because they don't throw the ball a whole lot. Just enough to get the team honest, some play-action passes. So we'll see how that transitions as the year goes on for him. And then from Missouri Southern, fantastic. The MIAA, this was the MIAA is weird score just because Missouri Southern last week lost to Northeastern State, who had lost 25 straight games. They come back the next week, go on the road to the better Oklahoma school, Central Oklahoma, and win 14-10. to 10. It made no sense. I watched the very end of that game. Uh, Southern had a fourth and three near midfield and they said, screw it. We're going to go for it. And the corner of the safety just had a miscommunication. The guy was wide open, scored a touchdown, take the lead. And there goes Missouri Southern for a big upset win. And UCL don't know what to do with them. They beat Missouri Western week one, loses Missouri Southern week three. I don't know what to do with them. I don't know what to do with how the team's in my double right now. Um, but it was a really fun week of football. It made for a really exciting weeks, but these games going on because like Pitt state and Fort Hayes, both won in blowouts. Didn't have to watch much of those games to know what happened there. But these games were a lot of fun and really entertaining. Absolutely. I don't think week four is going to be no exception here. The first one we're going to preview is uh, Missouri Western going on the road at Washburn. Um, of course, you know, we talked about Missouri Western second half comebacks there. Um, Washburn coming off their first loss of the season to Nebraska Kearney. Um, Devin, just your thoughts on this matchup to the Griffins and the Ichabods of Washburn. I think it's going to be a really fun high-scoring game. I think between Bespo from Missouri Western and then uh, Schurig for Washburn. I think a lot of points can be scored here. And you've seen with Western, they score on, on some big plays. They also have a tendency to give up some big plays as well. So this can be a high-scoring game. I do think Missouri Western plays better at home. The energy at Spratt, I think they play a little bit better in that, loca- in that location. So I think Western does start out better this year. I think they start out a good first half. I just think Washburn is going to be able to withstand that a little bit. I think Washburn is going to win this in a very close, high-scoring, fun game, like 41-38, I think what I predicted. Should be really fun back and forth. I think it's going to be a, the best game of the weekend. I think it is, is this one. Should be a lot of fun. Absolutely. And then uh, the next one we're going to preview, of course, is in Maryville. Uh, was supposed to be the second to first home opener for Northwest. Uh, we know what happened with Northwest's home opener, but this is the official home opener. Family Day, UCO comes to town. Um Stephen Brown and UCL look to break a two-game losing streak, but you have to do it in Maryville if you're going to do it. So, um, Devin, your thoughts on the Broncos and the Bearcats going at it on Saturday? Yeah, tough week here for Central Oklahoma to lose Missouri Southern and to try to get the taste out of your mouth. you got to go to Maryville to play Northwest in their home opener on family weekends. going to be a packed stadium there in Maryville. should be a uh, raucous crowd, and I don't think it's going to be very pretty for Central Oklahoma. These two teams in the past – it's been one or two ways. One way, Central Oklahoma is just a pain in the butt to play. It's a close, low-scoring game. Northwest kind of grinds out a win. Or Northwest plays them and blows the doors off of them. 
there's one or two. Either Northwest wins by seven or they win by 50. There's nothing in between. And I think this week's going to be more of the 50-point game. I think ONC kind of gets his feet underneath him a little bit more. I think UCO might throw him some looks he's not seen before as a starter in the college ranks. But I think he handles it well. He has enough talent at his disposal there. Between I, I know I mentioned um, Davis and Donadell earlier. But even guys like Tatum, they're in the slot. He's a really good football player. McKellar and Green in the backfield. They just got too many weapons. UCO, I don't think he's going to be able to win this game or even be competitive at some point. So give me Northwest and a blowout in this one. And uh, be Maryville's first look at Alan McKellar at home in a Bearcat jersey. I think they're really going to enjoy him. I was talking to a couple people this past week, and he might be Northwest's best running back since the Laurent Council Xavier Oman days. He's that level of running back. So it's a lot of fun there to see a flashback to the past with a really dominant running back here at Northwest. We've had some good ones here since then, but he might be the next elk that's kind of in that Harlan Hill kind of candidate kind of deal as a running back that Northwest has not had in the last few years. Absolutely. Definitely a fun weekend in the MIAA. Um, you can check out Devin's work on D2Football.com. He puts out an MIAA um, weekly preview every single week. So you can definitely check that out there if you want to know more about all the other matchups in the MIAA. So, Devin, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, and I um, look forward to um, keeping an eye on these games in the MIAA this week. Yeah, thanks, Cliff. Thank you so much, Devin Albertson of D2Football.com for always joining us here on the podcast, here is the full MIAA slate for this Saturday. Nebraska Kearney is on the road at Central Missouri. That is a 1 p.m. start. Also at 1 p.m., Missouri Western is at Washburn. 1.30, UCO is at Northwest. At 2 o'clock, Northeastern State is at Lincoln. Also 2 o'clock, Fort Hayes is at Missouri Southern. And then the nightcap, Emporia State, is at Pitt State. That will do it for our MIAA Week 4 pregame show Definitely stay tuned for week five. Next week, it's Northwest at Missouri Western. We got a lot of great things planned for that episode. Definitely keep tuned in. Enjoy the MIAA game you're going to be going to this week. Now, remember, you can watch all the games on the MIAAnetwork.com. Definitely get a subscription to that, whether it's per game or for a year or for a month. Definitely check out the MIAA Network there. But thank you guys so much for your listenership. I want to thank... um. Coach Rich Wright in his postgame. Coach Matt Williams in his postgame and interview. Brandon Zinner from News Press Now. Todd Lizenby, the voice of the UCO Broncos. John Coffey, the voice of the Northwest Missouri State Bearcats. And Devin Albertson of D2Football.com for joining the podcast. Thank you guys so much. Really, truly do appreciate it. Thank you all so much for listening. And until then, take care, everybody, and enjoy your game.